Thank you, worship team. Thank you, worship team. Powerful time in the presence of God. Mm, man, I told my family yesterday, I was like, I even told my wife, I was like, I'm sorry that you have to deal with this. I'm like, I don't know what it is because you know how sometimes you could just tell, you know, when it's something that you're going through and when it's something that you're not going through, right? And so, so it kind of felt like a mixture of both, to be honest with you. And so it's kind of sometimes you're like, well, you know, I could deal with, with my stuff by praying through it and, and giving it to God. But this other stuff, I guess I'm just going to have to listen to him. And amen. He knows what he is doing this morning because I feel... Man, that heaviness is gone. Amen. I know some of you, yeah, give him praise. Give him praise. Man. Well, welcome to Eastgate Church. This morning, obviously, we love to let God have his way in our services. And listen, um, if this is different than most church you go to or churches that you've seen, um, Buckle up. This is kind of the norm here, and I, I will honestly say that in order to really kind of get accustomed with our church, you need to be at like a lot of different services. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Because, man, God is doing some powerful things, and we never really know. Like, we have a plan, and, and sometimes we get here, and God will change it. Sometimes he changes it on the fly. I've had times where I'm getting up ready to preach, and he's like, close your computer and stuff like that, but we believe in letting the, the presence of God have his way because he is better and smarter than me. Amen. So welcome to Eastgate Church, everybody in-house. If it is your first time, welcome. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for everybody online. The, well, oh, do, do I need a snap? Y'all can, can give it up. Yeah. Production team knows I got ADHD, you know what I mean? I can't hardly see because of the lights, and then, nah, I'm just kidding. I love you guys. Um, they're they're kind of like my shout-out team. You'll see them acting a crazy fool back there when they, when, when they agree with something, amen. Um, welcome to everyone joining us online. If it is your first time joining us online, say hello, welcome again. Hey, and if you would... Please like and share our live stream. We are not about trying to monetize our live stream or trying to get all, but listen, we're going to share the gospel, and if you share what we're sharing, then the gospel is going to get out, and right now, that is the best way to just quickly share the gospel is to, to share the, the live stream. Um, so if you would, take a second, share, like that live stream, say hey. Listen, I don't have the comments up here live with me, but I go through them every time I preach. And I, I man, I, I love it. Y'all shout me down. Y'all have fun in those comments. Y'all be getting on YouTube, getting in the comments. Y'all can't get in comments on church. Come on. Come on, people. Come on, people. I love you guys, but I need y'all to talk back. Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, we've got a couple of awesome things going on. Uh, just this week, man, it, it, it's kind of getting that time of year. And I will say, y'all know me, I love food. And see, yes, amen. And see, most of y'all know that I love barbecue. But my real 
the real soft spot in my heart is Thanksgiving food. Right? Yeah. And that is because I married up in the world. And so that's my beautiful wife over here. She is also our service host. That way, you know, sometimes she flirts with me and it gets weird if you don't know we're married. Um, Cause she's like, oh, and they're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't. And uh, yeah, so anyway, she cooks very well. And uh, especially at Thanksgiving, she cooks all my favorites. I mean, dude, yeah, yeah, dude, she's got, yeah, she's got, she's got Thanksgiving covered. And so around this time of year, I am pretty much in food coma. So it's okay, though, because we don't got much going on during the week, but we've got a lot going on today. First of all, we got party with the pastors. Come hang out, get to know us, get to know a little bit about our church. Also, a uh, couple years ago now, so we started this Christmas vision offering, right? And for those of y'all that don't know, the way we have done it is we have kind of taken up the offering. We normally do it on, uh, ironically, December 10th, and it's going to fall on that again this year, December 10th. But here's the deal. This isn't like a capital campaign or anything like that. Let me tell you what this is for. Um, God has been growing our church, and this year we saw a lot more teenagers come into our church. We saw uh, the student ministry has just started to take off, to be honest with you. And, you know, we're, we're still running it like God told us to until we get a youth pastor. God's like, hey, all y'all just run it. And so we're killing it. The e-student leaders, guys, woo! Man, me and Pastor Josh are just there for looks at this point, right? Just there to preach. Um, but because of that, we want to just give back into that student ministry. And so we have plans for the student ministry. We also have camp that comes up in the summer and stuff like that. And how many of y'all know prices are getting higher on air thing? And so like the other day I went to go get air and it was like $3. I'm like, it's air, dude. I mean, it's air. I could almost buy a compressor for this. Um, so it's getting expensive. Some of our families have multiple kids, so camp time gets super expensive. And so what we do is this money goes into sponsorships for our camps and our student events because we do not ever, 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 and thankfully we have never, ever had to tell a student they cannot go do something that involves God because of money. Give God praise for that. Yes. Yes. And so we do things kind of a little bit differently. We, we take up an offering uh, around this time, and then we feed it back into the ministry of the church. And this year, that is what it is going towards. So if you're kind of, you're wanting to give towards that, but want to know where it goes, there you go. It goes to our student ministry, which is amazing. Amazing. 
that's all the business I got for you guys. Y'all ready to dive into this thing? Y'all ready? All right. So we're in, we started a new message series last week called Savage Jesus, right? And so one of the things that, that we talked about is just kind of the misconceptions. A lot of the times the misconception, it's not really a misconception, but it's the only thing we focus on. That's a better way to put it on, is we, we focus on the gentle shepherd side of Jesus but there was a very savage side to Jesus. There was a very blunt side, and there was a very serious side to Jesus. And how many of y'all know that Jesus had, can we just go ahead and agree, probably the most uh, important assignment on earth? And so he took that very seriously. And, and so what happens a lot of the time is when, when we start to see this kind of savage, uh, savage, oh, my teachers, all my teachers. Um, when we get into that, it, it, we, we like to ignore it a little bit because my Jesus don't yell at his disciples and call them cowards. My Jesus doesn't go into the church and act a fool because they're doing something wrong. My Jesus doesn't do that, right? My Jesus sets people free, right? But what I could tell you is Jesus does do all that stuff. And if we look at what is actually happening in that, we will see that there is a lot going on, and we can see that it's actually applicable to our lives. So we're going to be looking at Mark 4 today, and uh, I'm going to be using the message translation. And the only reason that I'm using this translation specifically because it really grasped the tone of Jesus right here, right? So starting in verse 35, it says, Late that day, he said to them, Let's go across to to the other side. They took him in the boat as he was. I don't even know what that means. You know, as he was, like, what was Jesus looking like on this day? You know what I mean? You know, you, you come to church thinking like, you know, and they, the, the disciples were like, hey, we're just going to put Jesus was ratchet right here, and we still took him how he was, right? The other boats came along, and a huge storm came up. Waves poured into the boat, threatening to sink it. Jesus was in the stern, head on a pillow, sleeping. Jesus took naps. Amen. If you ain't taking naps, Jesus took naps. I'm just saying. Right? They roused him, saying, Teacher, is it nothing to you that we're going down? Starting in verse 39, awake now. <laughs> Sounds like a parent, right? He's channeling the, my parents, right? Uh, well, yeah, now I'm awake. Now I'm awake. He told the wind to pipe down and said to the sea, quiet, settle down. Right then the wind ran out of breath and the sea became smooth as glass. Then Jesus reprimanded the disciples. Why are you such cowards? Don't you have any faith at all? Then they were in absolute awe, and they staggered back, and they were asking, who is this anyway that the wind and sea are at his beck and call? Now, when we first read this, you, if you're like me, will focus on one part of the story as you're reading it. It's probably, probably good Lord, Pastor Josh, come back. I'm just kidding. Um, 
when we read this, we focus on one part because that's kind of where we go, right? And, and if you're like me, that one part is when Jesus looks at his disciples and said, why are you such cowards? Because I don't know about you, that sounds savage, right? And so oftentimes when I read through this scripture, that's what I see and that's what I focus on. And therefore I've kind of missed what's actually going on. Like I've seen the miracle, but there's a lot going on in this miracle. And so we're going to look up at actually previous before he actually turns to his disciples and see how that actually makes him savage. So first little word study, the original language that Jesus used when speaking here is what makes it savage. It's what makes it serious because like I said, he is channeling that, that parent inside of everybody that's like, hey, boy, pull it together. Watch your step. My grandpa used to, he, he, he used to go, boy, watch your step. And that's all he had to say. And I was scared that something you know, I was like, I'm not going to push that. My kids are like, I'm just going to see how far. It's different. It's, they don't think I'm going to crack one day is what it is. <laughs> so the first word that was spoken, he spoke it to the wind. And this is C-O-P-E-O, right? C-O-P-E-O. And that means to be silent or to say nothing. To be silent or say nothing. And don't look me up on these translations, guys. I'm, I'm country. I'm allowed. Um, and then the second word that we see that was so savage is fimeo, right? And that means to muzzle or to become quiet. And so in order to grasp the full picture of what is actually going on here, we have to also go back and look at the history and the context of the people that this was happening in. So if you consider the historical aspect of the time in Jewish culture, storms were perceived as the manifestation of God's anger or disapproval. So now you have God's people, right? that viewed storms as God's anger. And now they've got the, the person who's been talking to them and leading them, and this is the son of God to them, right? He is not telling the storm to go away and the storm's gonna kill them, right? How, how could he not care? God's angry at us and he doesn't care. That's more what is going on. And if we transport ourselves back to that era, we find that, all society looked at the gods as having the ability to manipulate weather and the elements, right? We see this in every main religion, main area of the world. They worship a god or a deity that controls the weather. And so when Jesus commands this storm to be still, he's not just revealing his authority over nature, which is 
mind-blowing to have authority over nature, just so you know. But he's not an X-man, right? He's, he's God, and so he has authority over nature, but he's also demonstrating that he has power over God's wrath. Are y'all starting to see what that means? He's starting to, to say to the disciples, hey, listen, I am. I am God, and what my father's business is my business. And so when I want to calm this storm, this storm will listen to me because because I have power over God's wrath. And if you have power over God's wrath, then you have a lot of power. And so when you start to look at the fact that he has power over nature and have power over God's wrath, I wonder if the stuff that we go through that we wonder if God has enough power starts to look a little bit smaller. Right. Amen? And so... That's what he is telling this. So right off, we learn Jesus has power over nature and witnessly, or wit witnessing Jesus effortlessly control this wind and this storm, it just would have left me astounded, right? And so when I was reading that, it was like new eyes, right? Jesus possesses the power to restore tranquility even in the most formidable of like forces against the things that, that are really coming at us, because here's the deal, nature, nature's there. Can we just say nature's there? So, so maybe you came in and you're like, Pastor Jeremy, I've had a great week. I ain't had nothing come against me. Man, that is awesome. Whew, funnel some of that something my way this week, because I would love some of it. Amen. But he's showing that he possesses the power to even take the stuff that we know is going to happen, right? Because even though they viewed as God's anger, a lot of the times, how many of y'all know sometimes it just needs to rain? But he has power over those and so I want to show you a couple of other things because this is not limited to this one time. Jesus actually did these kinds of miracles where he displayed his awesome, unwavering power. So we have in Matthew 8, 26 through 27, if you want to write these down, I'm not going to have them up on the screen, but if you want to write these down, Matthew 8, 26 through 27, we witness him again calming the storm with a single authoritative command. Man, powerful. Luke 8, 24 through 25, Jesus expels an entire legion of demons with his words. With his words, and in John eleven forty three through 44, we see Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead with a single command. All of these stories shows us that Jesus has immense power over nature, but also spiritual forces. And listen, I don't know if you missed it, even death. Now, if you don't know the story of Lazarus, this guy was dead for four days. That's dead dead. That's stink dead. You know what I mean? And Jesus, with a single command, get up. Get up. Right? So then the next thing we learn from this story is Jesus has power over fear. Now, let's ponder the question that Jesus said to his disciples. 
we've always heard it coined as why are you so afraid? I just read it as, why are you such cowards? This question strikes at the heart of a common predicament that we face in humanity, right? The fear of the unknown. We face that today. The fear of the unknown. They had no idea what was going to happen. And then when you couple the fact that you're thinking that it's God's wrath, imagine just for a minute, okay, our our beliefs get questioned and they get pushed and stuff like that. But can you imagine being the disciples in this culture, which was a very hostile culture towards Christianity? Because can I just tell you outside of like the few people in the gospels, most people didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And so most people would have saw this storm as, oh man, y'all put in with the wrong dude on this boat, right? But that's what he is saying. He's, he's trying to bring them away from thinking, hey, hey, this is the normal. This is the status quo. This is, you know, storms happen when God's angry. When, when you get out in the boat with, with a Messiah and storms happen, that doesn't mean that God's angry at you. He's trying to bring them in to say, no, instead what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you that I have authority and power even over your fear. And I found that most of the times we find ourselves shaking at stuff that we don't really comprehend. But I'll even take it a little bit further. How many of y'all would say that a lot of the times the stuff that we fear never happens? Never happens. I know somebody, I'm not going to share their name, but it is somebody that I have known for my entire life. So just know that I know this person. Uh, no, it's not Rachel. How old are you trying to say I am, dude? Um, but this person felt like they were going to die at a very young age. And so they lived almost their entire life thinking that they were going to die at a young age. And I will just say that they are no longer young age. And so they lived their whole life scared that they were going to die at a young age, right? And it's fear of stuff that never happens. How many of y'all have been there? How many of y'all have been fearful over something that never even happened, right? Yet Jesus every day, there you go. Woo, that a preach. You want to, mm, all right. Yet Jesus reassures us that after all of this, he shows us that fear is unnecessary, right? We can place our complete trust in him because he's got power over it. Amen. Now, the next thing that we see in this scripture is Jesus has just said this and the disciples are, are, they're left like awestruck and they're like, man, who is this man, right? That commands even the wind and sea and see what was happening here in this moment is it became quite evident that uh, fear, that storms, that nature, that these things were something that Jesus had authority and dominion over, right? They're starting to realize that. I want to read something to you that, that I wrote down. It becomes 
perfectly evident. This is just some, a thought that I had. So, you know, it sounds like a thought that I had. It becomes perfectly evident that fear is a force that Jesus has unwavering authority over. Unwavering authority over. It becomes evident that fear is a force that Jesus can conquer and reign. Now, that power is shown again throughout scriptures, right? We see Matthew 14, verse 27, Peter walking on water. I can, I can promise you I've faced some really impossible looking things. Never faced that. Never been told to do that by God. I've never been faced with this is a stupid decision, but I'm going to trust you and watch you move supernaturally. Can I just tell you that? And it was when he took his eyes off and he got fearful and he got scared that he started to sink. And it was amazing because Jesus is the one that called him forth, right? He, Peter said, if it's you, call me forth. And Jesus was like, go ahead. And it showed us there for a short amount of time that Jesus has that power. But then listen to this. This is another thing that we're seeing from this scripture that's underlining in it. As Jesus extends his hand to Peter, he's also showing that he has the ability to forgive and rescue. He has the ability to forgive and rescue. And then Luke 5.10, Jesus speaks to the fears of the paralyzed man, and he assures him to rise up and take his bed and walk. And it's just this powerful example, time after time, where Jesus walked up and he spoke something and displayed his authority. And we can learn from the disciples that they are going to this place where they're saying, okay, following Jesus is no small thing anymore. This is not going to be a small thing. This guy just told a storm to stop and calmed it, right? And, and, and so they were realizing that it's not a small thing. And so what Jesus is talking to here is he's, he's saying, hey, if you can't get fearful or if you can't get fear out of your mind about the stuff that I've already showed that I have power and dominion over, then what's going to happen when the real stuff comes that's unknown, right? The real stuff that takes a lot of trust, the, the diagnosis, the, 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 the things that are really like, okay, God, this is a for real moment. There is, I am going to trust you because there is a time that sometimes that is the only way. But I will tell you that most of the time we we burn ourselves down by fighting all the stuff that he's already showed us that he has authority and dominion over. Yeah. Our fears, right? And so <clears throat> despite overwhelming fear, the disciples choose to trust in Jesus. And guess what? He answered their prayers. Yeah. And we see that again all through scripture. He calls you to a place that seems impossible. And when you take that step and you show that, hey, God, I know that, that I can't do this, but you can. And you take that step. He 
will walk it out with you. He will equip you. We see it in the New Testament church, how the New Testament church was birthed. We see it, how, how the gospel has been able to spread to every corner of the world. We see this, right? He answers their prayers. He calls, he answers. And so that's what he is calling out of the disciples. That's what he is pointing out here. He is trying to bring them to a new place and following him where they are, are able to see these things because, hey, Jesus was going to be crucified. And when you talk about somebody being raised from the dead, Jesus has already showed that he had power to raise people from the dead. But when it gets down to it, what happened to all the disciples? Right? They scared. And so Jesus is showing us this whole thing from like a bird's eye view now. And he's saying, you don't have to be scared. I have that same power and that authority today. So now, what do we do with that? I want to break this down real quick for you. I got some notes for my note takers. I know my note takers always hate it when I preach because they get, they get a scripture and maybe a word. So I got y'all this week. I got y'all my note takers. Why? So the first thing that we can do, I've got three steps. Recognize, right? Recognize God's power. Just like we saw in this passage, Jesus possesses unparalleled authority over even God's anger. Now, when that sinks in, can I just tell y'all that in my ministry, and especially in youth ministry, I, and I've said this before, I have noticed that a lot of people serve God because they're scared of his wrath. And can I tell you, there is so much more to being a Christian and having a relationship with God. And we see that here, right? Then the second thing, trust. Trust Jesus. Because here's the deal. If we do this, we can buckle up because it's going to be a different type of journey. Because here's the deal. Jesus will call us to, to not only obey him, but he calls us to do stuff, right? He's called us to go out into all the world. So all of y'all that, that weren't necessarily called to be up here as a preacher, you were still called to go out and, and preach the world. So he, he's not only saying, you know, hey, I want you to obey me. But a lot of people, we kind of stop there. But... It, He's saying, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me wholeheartedly. That's a different level of, of relationship. You know, when you start to meet people and you start to kind of develop a relationship with people, there's certain things that you get and there's certain things that you give. But when it comes down to like a deep trust, a trust like this is talking about, it is earned over long periods of time. And 
it takes your relationship to a deeper level. And so what Jesus is showing us here is he's saying, I w don't want you to just obey me. I don't just want to be your God. I want to be your father. I want to be your creator. I want to be your savior. I want to be your healer, right? He wants us to trust him wholeheartedly. And then the third thing, and I'd like to ask the worship team, if you would, to go ahead and join me up on stage as we get ready to close. He wants us to overcome. He wants us to overcome. As I was praying, and I was like, what is the main idea like if i if i had to say i want you to take home one thing and really think about it overcome because a lot of the times again we get lost we get lost and what will happen is we start fighting battles we start taking the stuff that we've left to, to God. We've started taking the things that we've laid down. We start taking back the control, especially when things start to get scary, especially when things start to get bad. Because listen, if it was just this easy, then, you know, I don't know that church would need to exist. <laughs> if it was easy to just do that. And, and, and so what God's done is he's given us this whole track record to look back on at saying, hey, I know this might be the first time that you've dealt with being in a stormy boat with the Savior, but this is not the first time he's dealt with a storm in the boat as a Savior. And so, check this out. We can confidently trust that Jesus is in complete control and will never ever abandon us and I want to kind of bring everything down to a close with a psalm and I did not add this on to my message until last night and here's why in the midst of all the heaviness in the midst of like, I mean, when, when I went to bed last night, I was like, Lord Jesus, please let me stay asleep and wake up tomorrow and it be a new day. And he brought me to this verse. And I honestly forgot that I added it in here because I, I, it was really late minute, last minute. And I was reading it this morning. I was like, ugh, I just feel your presence all over this. Because not only did he show it in the passage that we used to talk about today, but he demonstrated it right in front of us today. And that is Psalm 34.4. It says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. 
then it goes on to say he freed me from all of my fears now I don't know what each one of us brought in here today I know that God did a lot of stuff this morning because there was a different atmosphere different atmosphere in this place and so what I believe he wanted to do to get us to the point to be able to accept this he's already done so that we can stand here and as I read this psalm it all makes so much more sense I cried out to the Lord and he heard and he answered and he freed me from all man all my fears and so in these next couple of moments I just want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes we're not going to go into like some deep altar call because like I said I believe God kind of got all that out of the way but what I would like to do is encourage you as a church and as a body of believers that when we go through something you don't you don't have to go through it alone and so what I want to do is I just want to ask you a couple of questions and then we're gonna pray and I'm just asking you so I can know how to pray as we have looked at this scripture and talked about fear and talked about the the things that God was speaking to the disciples the things that he was speaking to the wind the things that he was speaking to the sea and what it really meant to show his authority over all these things as we read through Psalm and we see he freed us from all of my fears I want to ask you today church if we were to list out our fears what's the one fear that you feel like you need him to free you from it's the fear that it's like you haven't been able to quite let it go you haven't been able to really get past it sometimes it's better sometimes it's worse sometimes you feel like it's not there but at the end of the day it always circles back to this one thing okay I want you to think about that one thing now in just a couple of minutes I'm gonna ask the worship team to just take us back through the I saw the Lord and we're gonna do exactly what Psalm 34 told us to do seek the Lord answer prayers and then he'll free you from all of your fears so if if God's done something in your life earlier today those that came in with all that heaviness those that came in with all that stuff listen what I want you to do is stand back and worship from this he freed me from all of my fears 
I sought the Lord and he heard me and he answered me. And listen, if if you're not there yet, then what I want you to do is I want you to sing this song and declare it and let us declare it over you this morning. And here's what I believe. I believe that the God that answers prayers and takes all fear is the same God that answers prayers and takes all fears. Amen. So if that's you this morning, listen, every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you and you're saying, Pastor Jeremy, I still have that fear that I want to be set free from, will you just raise your hand real quickly up at me right now? I'm not going to call you out or, or make you go in, you know, come up front or anything. I just want to know how to pray. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. See that hand. Praise God, I see that hand. Thank you. Praise Jesus. Any more? I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. Couple more moments. you need to respond, just lift that hand up at me. Okay. You can lift up your eyes this morning. Listen, I want to encourage those that raise their hands. Hands went up all over this place. And so what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time worshiping. And listen, if, if God's kind of done what he wanted to do in your life today, can you get behind someone and pray for them today? Can we worship the walls down like like we would want the walls worshiped down if we were up here praying through something and praying through victory? Because I love seeing that. I love seeing the people come down and pray because that's what we're supposed to do as a church. Amen.